Hello and welcome to the best is yet to come. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by Michael Rubenstein and Richard Chuba. Today we will be talking about the second half of our list that we started last week where we discussed the top 50 players post MJ, our own subjective lists. We did the 50 through 26 already, so if you haven't heard that pod, go listen to that first and then come back and listen to 25 through 1. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about what's been going on with these Nets for the past week or so. Uh, tonight, against the Heat, Kevin Durant is back. Thankfully, the Nets have been really struggling without him. They lost back-to-back games against the Raptors. If you guys remember, in December, one of the big games of the season was when Kevin Durant and four rookies beat uh, a pretty loaded Raptors team. And that was a really nice sign. You felt like, oh, these young guys are playing really well. Like, they're going to be great soon. But there was just so much pressure put on those rookies over the last month and a half without KD there that they really did have a hard time. And um, I'm curious to see if they're able to maybe, uh, you know, renew themselves under KD's uh, tutelage again. But we'll see. But before that, we'll talk about Joe Harris, whose ankle is officially shot for the rest of the season. He's going to have to get season-ending surgery for, I don't know, is this his second surgery of the season? Did he have one so. already? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with with ankles and knees, these things tend to happen. You know, because you're putting pressure on them just by living your life, you could accidentally move in a weird way, like getting up from bed or like going to the kitchen, and that could actually set your whole life back. So, Mike, what does this mean for the Nets going into the playoffs? especially at the seating they're at and how desperate they need shooters, but not getting Harris back kind of sucks. Uh, It's unfortunate for sure. Uh, Ankle injuries, like you you hear an ankle injury, it's supposed to be like four to six weeks or eight weeks or whatever, not a whole season. So that's, it's just annoying. But uh, the Nets did a good job of getting Seth Curry and now Dragic, who's a three-point shooter. So if Patty Mills like comes out of his slump at the right time, the Nets will have shooters. Bruce Brown, like, learned how to shoot now. Uh, he's shooting, like, 50% over the last couple of games from the corner, especially. So it sucks. Uh, but I'll let Rick uh, continue the Joe Harris criticism, if he would like. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to keep it quick because we want to get to the, the top 25. But, I mean, for me, it's just kind of like, eh, so what? Like uh, like Mike said, like, we've really done a good job replacing the that three-point shooting with uh, at least early on in the season, Patty Mills, Goran Dragic. Um, I think Seth Curry's freaking awesome right now on the net so far, if you see his numbers. So, um, and I think they do more than what Joe Harris does. I think Joe Harris, I've said in the past, and I kind of sound like a hater, and I, but I don't, <laughs> no, I don't he like, can't, No, he can't dribble and he can't play yeah, defense. Yeah, he, he doesn't like create for other people, he, no. you know, like a rebounder defender. He's a three-point shooter, and like, that's fine too, but. Um, I just don't think that's something that, like, you know, come the the home stretch of the season and playoff time, they're gonna be like, oh man, I can you imagine what we would have done if we had Joe Harris? <laughs> so, right, right. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I think I think the the bummer for me and Mike would probably agree is more just like his. He is a good guy. He is almost like Mister Net. He's a a good locker room presence. He's a good team player. So I think they miss probably that more than almost his on the court play. But, um, you know, they've been w- without him for almost the entire year. So uh, it, it, I don't think it's a, a big deal, to be honest. 
Wait, so, so you're not going to mention how trash he is in the playoffs anyway? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty trash in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's what I've, I was trying. I'm trying to be, like, a little nice. Yeah. Oh, he was I trash say... against the Bucks. Like, I, I, I want to remember, though, that he, he did actually have a good series against the Celtics. But the year bo- or two years ago, whenever they played the Sixers in that first round, when it was the Dinwiddie Lillard, yeah, Nets, and they got they got completely wrecked. He was terrible. So like but two they- out of three series that he's played in, he has been terrible. And and the Boston series was one where there were a couple games where the Nets like freaking smoked the Celtics like as a team, and you're like, holy shit, are these guys, is are these guys gonna ever lose? So I yeah. don't know. If- and Joe Harris just playing good, or him just shooting the ball, knowing that even if he misses, there are no consequences. <laughs> right. Okay, so here's my hot take question. Has Joe Harris played his last game as a Brooklyn Net? No. Uh, I'm going to say no, but I think, and I've thought about this for, for a, you know a little while now. I mean, I've mentioned him previously in trade talks, but I think the Nets now don't have a pressing need for three-point shooting especially if they can re-sign Seth Curry. I think he's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, so I think Joe Harris is probably their most um, dispensable asset uh, come, like, next year. I think if you have Joe Harris and, uh, you know, uh, those two first-round picks and maybe some other player, that's a pretty decent package for uh, a player that'll fit whatever needs you're trying to fill. So I don't want to say it's his last game, but um, – I, I think if the Nets were to make a trade, he'd be one of the first guys talked about. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, a lot of guys who six months ago we were really high on have had very limited minutes of minutes at all in this in this new era of, of Brooklyn Nets basketball. So things do change quite rapidly with this franchise. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, what's going on with Ben Simmons. Dude gets picked up by the Nets, and we're excited. We think, okay, maybe he needs a few days to just, like, get into, like, physical shape, but then he'll be right out there on the court. Maybe we're debating whether or not he'd even play before when the Sixers play the Nets next week. But, no, it's looking like he might not even play in March. According to Rich Paul, uh, he's week to week, and uh, he has this back issue that set him back significantly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's – it's looking like he might not even get like five games in before the playoffs start or the play-in tournament starts for the Nets, you know, which is more likely every day. Uh, Mike, how disappointed are you by the, the the whole Ben Simmons saga so far? Very disappointed. More disappointed than the Joe Harris news, for sure. Uh, yeah. I really, like, with... We'll talk about Kyrie in a minute, too, but, like, with everything with Kyrie and Ben Simmons, like, there's a whole lot of, like, what if right now. And that's very frustrating. Rick did mention, I think, either last pot or the week before that, how the Nets aren't, like, win now or bust anymore because Simmons is young and multiple years on his contract. Durant signed for multiple years. So it doesn't have the same, like, we have to win this year or we have no chance ever. So I know Ben Simmons, like, you want to be patient and, like, it's not all in right now. We don't want to push him and get him more hurt. But it is frustrating. Like, he's a young guy. Uh, he should have been like conditioning and working out all season when he wasn't playing. So mm-hmm. it is kind of like, hey, come on, like, when's it gonna happen? Very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Rick, what are your thoughts? Uh, same. It's extremely frustrating, not just because of like Ben Simmons being like injured now with the back issue, and you want to see 
and get on the floor. But just like what, like Mike said, with everything that's happened to this team this year and even like last year, you know, in the playoffs and stuff, like when does it end? Like when? It does, like, when it just, when does it's this just like a never-ending nightmare, it, this team. It is. And like these things, though, too, like they're not like minor things. Like they're all major things. And it just doesn't stop. Like this team cannot catch a break like in any way. And um, like you, you, like you do start to think like, are there external forces like, you know, <laughs> other beings <laughs> that are like preventing the Nets from having any success um, or at least getting like a full healthy team on the floor? Like, um, you know, it's not like they have the full squad and, you know, got upset in a series. We can't even get the team on the floor. So yeah. that's that's the the biggest thing because um you know I I think we all agree that this team at least you know on paper and the potential could win the championship. I think this year I, I it would not surprise me. You know even they're they're probably going to be in the play in but they're they're definitely I think still a title favorite with the with the guys they have on their team but man it's it, it is extremely frustrating and you know, for a guy who hasn't played a single game with the team, like chemistry freaking matters, man. Like uh, the Bucks, defending champions have like almost their entire roster, like returning, like that chemistry is not going to be an issue with those guys. And then Nets who, you know, have had such a roller coaster ride this year, mostly downs. They're not, they're not going to have that chemistry. Like it's really going to have to be like KD is going to have to go in like God mode again. And hopefully this time the foot isn't on the line. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, that's 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 really the big bummer right now. The team has just been getting smacked by so many teams. It's not even like they're they're losing bad in games like against the Raptors. The first game they played on Sunday where they lost by like 40, it felt like, or 35. And then when they get smacked by the Celtics regularly now, which is just like a you know, they can't even they can't even like keep up by like the middle of the second quarter. I think when you lose a game, there is like, okay, a, lo- a loss, a loss, a win's a win. But like these demoralizing losses make me question like, is Durant even good enough to fix these problems? So, and I don't really know if they are. So I, I just disagree with you. I don't think they're demoralizing because Kevin Durant is good enough to fix those problems. Yeah, well, like, yeah, maybe. if you take, like, he's, when he's healthy, he's arguably the best player in the league. And, like all they have is role players. So if yeah. if you take Durant away, and you ask five role players to go play against teams that have their best players, like I don't expect them to right. be close. And like they I only agree. lost to the Raptors by one point the second game. So like they're fighting, they're trying to stay together, like they're playing for each other, even if they get destroyed. Like Durant's back. None of those games matter anymore. But uh, the one thing that is true about all of the games that they play, whether they win or lose, is that this Nets team does not know how to play in the first half of a basketball game. They cannot keep it together. It's either the first half, they'll, like, really start super slow, and then maybe they have a chance to come back in the third quarter or something, and they make this crazy run in the third or fourth. Or they'll have, like, a neck-and-neck tie, and then they just, like, blow it in the third quarter. And then the game's over by the fourth. Yeah, okay, the game on uh, whatever, the last game they played against the Raptors was really close. They, they should have won that game. But, like, there's been so many games during this, like, Durantless stretch where I'm like, they lost the game in the first five minutes. Like, there's no way they're coming back. Except that Knicks game, which was incredible. But other than that, there's nothing, there's really not much to 
to put your hat on with these role guys. I don't know. I'm really like scared that Durant's gonna get hurt again or something, and then it's over. <sighs> anyway, what was what was the last thing we wanted to talk about quickly before we go? Kyrie. Um, Kyrie. Oh yeah. Okay, Rick. Why don't you give us the lowdown? What's what's this Eric Adams uh, uh, vaccine status? All right, so uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but New York City has had this vaccine mandate where in large public settings, any like everyone has to be vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you're not allowed uh, into the venue. So Kyrie, obviously not vaccinated, wasn't allowed in the building at the Barclays. Uh, Mayor Adams lifts the mandate. Kyrie is now allowed in the, bar- in the Barclays, unvaccinated, totally fine can sit on the bench, do whatever. But for whatever reason, I think it's a there's there's like a some stipulation amongst like private businesses or something like that where he can for whatever reason and he feel free to go into greater detail than I than I can. He can be in the building, he can be on the bench, in the huddle, but he can't play in the game. Kyrie he can't play the game. Opposing players that are unvaccinated can play in the game, but Kyrie cannot. He can't be on. He can't play in the game, but he could shake. He could shake hands. He, <laughs> he could do a. He could do a chest bump with like Kevin Durant after a three pointer on the bench or something. But he can't play in the game, and that is extremely frustrating. I do believe that pretty soon that mandate will get lifted as well, but we don't know. Like we really don't yeah. know how these things, these are, things play. are taking longer than we expect, and like the the season's only like um, it's only a month left. So mm-hmm. yeah, so, so it, it it we're really like a, so much of this season, both on and even off the court, a lot of it's just a freaking hope and a prayer. Like I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it's sad that we so badly need like this like Fakakta rule to be like changed or lifted. So that the Nets can like win a championship because right now the only person in the league that this thing affects is Kyrie Irving. It, it's, he's the only player in the league that that really affects because he's the only I think he's probably the only guy on the Nets that's unvaccinated. And anyone who's not on the Nets can freaking play. And mm-hmm. it is it is the most like wild thing. Like if you told someone this who like doesn't watch basketball or or like from another freaking planet you'll be like there there's just no sense in this and it's uh it, it really is incredible i i do think though it's going to change i mean i am holding out hope adam silver has come out and he's stood up for Kyrie. and mayor adams has also said that like he doesn't really believe it makes a whole lot of sense so um i mean again i'm hoping that it's changed but it is it's whack the damage has been done. The Nets have lost so many games they could have won if they just had Kyrie playing. So I don't know. Mike, you were going to say something? Yeah, the pe- I mean, everything Rick said is right about not making sense. But the piece that is added to this, the reason Eric Adams won't change the, the rule right now is because in other private businesses that are this large, you can't be employed if you're not vaccinated. And this is why Kyrie's been fighting in the first place. People can't be employed. What doesn't make sense is he's still on the nets. Like, he didn't lose his job. If, if Eric Adams really wanted the optics to be the way, like, he wants, like, he would have to go as far as to, like, make Kyrie Irving not play in the NBA. Now, he obviously yeah. can't do that because they have their own CBA and all that. But, like, 
that's the piece that Eric Adams is reluctant to send the message to other New Yorkers that, hey, this guy can still do his job unvaccinated, but you can't be employed. Like he, it's, he's still hedging. and He's trying to save face and not hedge, but he still is. And that's what, to me, is like the worst part. Like, Kyrie Irving didn't lose that, his job. He's just not yeah. allowed to play. I saw today that he changed his, uh, his agent to like his, someone related to him because they mm-hmm. have the same last name as him. It's like Shailene. It's his stepmother. Okay. He changed his agent. I don't know if that means that, like, they have, like, a sort of a um, a lead on a way to possibly, like, get around these rules and the agent is a part of that. Or if it's, you know, maybe they've hit a wall and there is no way of getting around it and his agent was, like, blamed for it and so got fired. I don't know. But, yeah. Doesn't seem like we're getting anything... Uh, any progress with this vaccine stuff anytime soon, whether it happens before the playoffs, we'll see how the next few games go to see if that even matters because Kevin Durant's got to come back and win like five of the next six games for this team in order for them to be like still in contention for at least the seventh or eighth seed. Um, And that's about it in Nets world. I mean, there's a lot of other little tiny things going on, um, but you know, we'll get to them later. Let's just get into this list. So we did last week, like I mentioned, we did our 50 through 26 of the top 50 players post-MJ. We had a lot of fun doing it. It was very subjective. You know, everyone has their own feeling about certain guys. And now we're going to get into 25 through 1. I don't remember who was the last one to go. Was I the last one to go, or was it you, Mike? Uh, I went first, and then you went second, right? So I can yeah. just do some quick math here. It was you, me, you, Rick. I think, Josh, you were the last one to go. I think it's Rick's turn. Okay, Rick, it's your turn. So starting with number 25, you can go ahead and start talking about your guys. All right, 25. Let's, let's, let me pull up the list. All right. Um, uh, I wish I had a better uh, recollection of who we were talking about previously too in this same uh range for you guys but for me uh 25 i put mellow um i think 25 is a pretty good spot for mellow um always super talented um numbers guy not a whole lot of playoff success so you know has the the all-star appearances um Things like that, I think, uh, super popular amongst uh, fans, and I, I believe the players too. But um, really good player, Hall of Fame talent, but I, not anyone that I would consider special. Uh, he's higher on my list. He's 18 for me. Okay, yeah, no, no argument there. I mean, like, there's a there's a good case for him to be there. I mean, the guys that I have ahead of him. Um, I maybe could have thrown, I, I could have made him like 20, I think I would have been okay with him being 20, but that's the highest, the yeah. lowest that would have went. What about you, Mike? He is also 18 for me. Okay. All right. All right. There we go. We're moving on, on to Mello. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about him. I don't really like All him. Right. But. <laughs> My number 24 is Clay Thompson. Um, we've oh, talked yeah. about Clay Thompson on the uh yeah we did clay already he was 34 on my list i think he was 32 on you mike yeah and we had a good uh we had a good talk about how i i definitely should have had him higher but 
Yeah, uh, I fucked yeah. up. It's okay. nice to know that I am uh, the number one Clay fan on the podcast. I, uh, I think I, I think instead what we can talk about right now is what I had for 24 and what neither of you guys had, but in retrospect was probably a, a bad idea. I had Alonzo Mourning at 24. Remember? Oh yeah, we yeah yeah. yeah. It, this that's a good that's a good point because I think me and Mike probably went like donkey brained and just completely <laughs> forgot about him. So I was. Just for the sake of talking about Alonzo Morning, I looked back at my list and wanted to gauge where I would have put him. And looking at it, I think I would have put him at 34. Okay. For me, I think I would have put him 34 uh, right behind Chris Weber. Um. So again, though, like your your ranking isn't bad. Like he's one defensive player of the year, seven time All Star, definitely should be on the list. I just completely like glanced over him, and a big mistake for me. But yeah, you that's totally fair placement. Yeah, right. for the record, uh, Lamar Odom should not be on my list. Alonzo Mourning <laughs> should be on my list. Yes, yeah. So absolutely. I don't know where Mourning would fall. Like I really just like I don't think of Alonzo Mourning as this era, even though he is. I, for some reason, I have him in the 90s. Like, when I think of Alonzo Mourning, I think of him on the Hornets, not the Heat. But he was really, like, around for a long time in the 2000s. So, yeah, donkey brain, for sure, well, <laughs> for getting Alonzo also, Mourning. Like, he also, like, got traded to the Nets and, like, quit on them. And, yeah. And then retired and then came out of retirement to play with it for the Heat and win a championship. So, uh, you know, not really big Alonzo Morning. Classic there. Nets bullshit. That sounds yeah, like dude. James Harden. Dude. James Harden was dude, like going on Alonzo Morning 2.0. All right. Well, anyway, 23. Um, What's your 23? All right. 23 right ahead of Clay Thompson is the guy who hit probably the greatest shot in NBA history. If not, maybe the second. Kyrie Irving. Uh, I've had plenty of criticisms, as we all have, of Kyrie Irving on this podcast, but I think there is no denying the talent. Um, I think he's incredibly talented, the ball handling, uh, the scoring, all, all awesome, uh, clutch as well. Um, I think the biggest knock on him is his leadership and more so his lack of it. Um, but, uh, in terms of production on the court stuff, uh, he is awesome. And so I put him at 23. He was at 30 for me. Mike, remember where you put him? I have him at 25, uh, but oh, yeah, right. I think it's my turn next, and I'll, I'll have a good question for you guys about maybe I should change that. Okay. So you're up. Okay. Uh, what is it, 22 now? Uh, yes, 22. And, you know, really looking at a lot of these guys, I'd, I, I, I did, I think, my entire list in about an hour. Um, but to really, um, you know, split hairs and do placements on these guys, I'd probably need like a couple days. Um, <laughs> but 22, I put Tracy McGrady, um, a guy who was, uh, just a dominant elite scorer for a long, long time. Um, some scoring titles, um, huge numbers but didn't have the uh the playoff success actually like a notorious playoff loser so 
Um, honestly, you could pro- I probably should even put Kyrie ahead of him, but yeah, T Mac is is a guy who, um, other than maybe Kobe Bryant and uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, other than maybe Kobe for like those early 2000s, might have been just the best scorer in the league. Um, him, probably him, Kobe, and Iverson. So yeah. 22 for Tracy McGrady. Yeah, I'm really high on him too. He's actually 17th on my list. And I love how McGrady played in an era where, yeah, like being um, as, uh, you know, he really was not really successful in the playoffs. And so his legacy is definitely tarnished in that way. I think that most people uh, in this generation remember Grady for is that one game against the Spurs where he scored 13 points in 33 seconds, which is pretty famous. And they remember him for being on the Rockets and the Magic. But, like, not much more else about him. I think that uh, it's unfortunate that his, his, like, legacy has kind of been forgotten, especially throughout this renaissance with Kobe and, um, you know, since his passing. Like, everyone remembering everything about Kobe's career, it kind of... uh, dwarfs or shadows uh um mcgrady a little bit so not saying that kobe was better than mcgrady but i I think that they were very comparable in a lot of ways so yeah i also have mcgrady at 22 like rick does and while mcgrady's scoring ability was probably close to kobe like winning five less championships is a big is a big difference uh like mcgrady didn't win a playoff series until he was a bench warmer on the spurs like that doesn't even count so, uh, yeah, 22, I think, is a fair place for him. When you think of 2000s basketball, you definitely think of Tracy McGrady. But, yeah, he just couldn't get it done. Because, I mean, the, the West was stacked for his whole career. Like, he had to go against the Spurs dynasty, the Lakers dynasty, or Dirk Nowitzki and those Mavericks teams. Like, it, I don't blame him for losing those series that he lost. And then with Yao going out as early as he did, but still, like it, you gotta hold it a little bit against them. Mm-hmm. And twenty-one. All right, this is the last uh, of my five for my turn. Number twenty-one, I put Russell Westbrook. Um, Russell Westbrook, a uh, huge number guy, but uh, I think he's doing it in an era where uh, triple doubles right now are all too common. Um, I, I just think. Triple doubles right now have really lost its luster. Um, it's it's not really that big of a deal anymore. Um, so the numbers I, I think aren't as flashy as they had originally seemed. He won his MVP uh, strictly because he averaged a triple double during the year. But uh, I don't think he was really the best player. It was more so he did something that someone hadn't done in I think it was like 30, 40, 50 yeah. years. Um, other than that, though, uh, I don't necessarily consider him uh, a winning player, but he's someone who no doubt has always given 110%. Um, I think when you look at someone like James Harden, who in uh, one year quit on two teams, you know, regardless of his talent, uh, that's something to be frowned <laughs> upon is quitting. And Russ doesn't quit. He, he, you know, so... There's that. I think too. Um, as much as the Lakers would wish he would quit, I bet. True. Yeah, they they would, but he he doesn't, and I think there is something to be said to that. And um, you know, he's he has at least I think it was his last year with the Thunder, like carried them to the playoffs, like by himself, 
just you know, it, well, he wasn't right. particularly efficient, but he was kind of like a one man wrecking crew with them. But there, he had Paul George though that last year. That wasn't yeah. You're not thinking of his last season. You're thinking of just his first season without Durant. Okay. Yeah. But right. yeah, true. But yeah, yeah, I mean, so he he was capable of that. Um, not particularly clutch, but um, maybe one of the most just athletic players we've ever seen. Um, so uh, a lot of uh, upside, big numbers, but um, not a winning guy. So 21, Russell Westbrook. Oh, he's even lower on mine. I think he's 35 or 36. Hold on, let me just double check that. He's 33. He's 33 on mine. I would like to go back and talk. I, I don't really have the numbers in front of me, but I'm curious to see um, what his shooting percentages were in in that year where he averaged the triple-double. Like, did he actually shoot 50% in those games, or was he shooting, like, 6 for 17 and getting, like, 12 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists? I I, I know that they ended up getting, making the playoffs, so at the end, of, you know, it did actually work out for them, but... I think that the reason why everyone is so jaded by the triple-double now is because there are just different qualities of triple-double. And to me, a good triple-double is when you score your points from buckets. You don't get, like, a 6 for 17, but you got 12 points because you made, like, seven free throws or something. Like a James Harden triple-double. I know we're going in on James because, like, we have to because I'm so mad at that guy. But, yeah, for real, like, uh, the James, the, the triple-double is is definitely not as valued as it used to be. and he suffers from that, but yeah, he's still he's still like an all time great. So he'll probably be a, in the Hall of Fame eventually. Uh, Mike, what was he on your list? Uh, I had him a little higher. I had him at sixteen. Whoa. Um, I have the stats up. So Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double, not just once, by the way. Uh, he did it, I think, three seasons in a row. Wow. So it wasn't like a one hit wonder. I got the numbers in front of me. He shot. 42.5% and then 45% and then uh, 43%. So not like the worst field goal percentage, but definitely not in the like the LeBron, Kevin Durant category. Uh, right. But like if you take what Russell Westbrook does and put him into other superstars, like they'd be the best player ever. Russell Westbrook, unfortunately, just has a bad habit of falling apart when it matters most <laughs> like and especially when you're on a team of Kevin Durant and you're the one taking the last shot and missing it because Durant is just not aggressive enough to tell you to give him the ball like that's a shame and I think a story just came out how Kobe would use Team USA time to like get in Westbrook's head and like mess with him to make him want to take the last shot oh my so, God. like that sucks <laughs> but I, I, I was the biggest Russell Westbrook defender and Rick knows this until the bubble when the Rockets were just terrible because they didn't have a center and they just got destroyed by Anthony Davis and LeBron. So I, the last couple of years are really going to taint his legacy, but what he was able to do on those Thunder teams without Kevin Durant afterward, uh, never seen anything like it. Took a bit, like name other players on those Thunder teams besides like Steven Adams, maybe the Serge Ibaka. I don't remember. T- T- Tabo Cephalosha. Who were the guys on those teams? Andre Roberson. Yeah. Like the third best player on that team somehow. Yeah, and they made the playoffs. So, yeah, Yeah. I'm a big Westbrook as a career fan, just not the last couple of years. He's terrible right now. Uh, All right, Mike, you're up with number 20. Okay, so number 20, I have Allen Iverson. 
and I don't think we've mentioned him yet. So, this was my question to you guys when we were talking about Kyrie, because I had Kyrie at 25. I'm thinking I might need to switch and put Kyrie ahead of Iverson. I feel like we romanticized Allen Iverson a lot because of, like, taking those Sixers teams, we're taking the one year to the finals, winning one game against the Lakers, like, that was amazing. But Allen Iverson didn't really accomplish, like, as much as I think we feel like he did. But again, how much are we debating accomplishment here as opposed to, like, full-on talent? So, Allen Iverson was the kind of guy that would get you 30 points on 25 shots. Like, yes. Efficiency was not the best. He, he could score. Like, there's no question he could score. But was it, the, like you just talked about, is it the scoring or the gameplay that, like, leads to wins? And he had one great season. I think he had, like, one pretty good season on the Nuggets. Obviously, he had good seasons on the Sixers, but, like, the one run to the finals. Uh, and it just, I'm looking at the guys on my, like, on my list that I have ahead of him. And I don't feel bad about having him here at 20. I really don't. I feel okay, like people well, like thinking he's a top 10, top whatever. But I just, I don't. To, um, to kind of support you, Mike. All right. I'll tell you right now where I have Iverson. Um, and I'm going to like kind of almost talk myself out of it. I currently have him at 15. Okay. But you bring up an excellent point. Like, everything you said is right. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I think last year we had a Kyrie versus Iverson debate. And I was full-on, like, Kyrie. I was like, yeah. yo, Kyrie did this. I'm taking Kyrie, like, for this reason and that reason. And, you know, one year later I have him, you know, what, seven spots behind Iverson right now, maybe because of the vaccine stuff. But, like... Mike's right. Like, hey, game six against the Warriors, like 40 points. That's huge. That's clutch. Game seven, winning three. That's clutch. But, again, Kyrie, not the best player on on that team. Allen Iverson was the best player on every team he played on for almost his entire career. That's See, that's true. That's true. But that might be why he didn't win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it is why he didn't win. But what I'm saying is, like, think about how much grit and, like, the kind of decision-making you have to make when you are the best player as opposed to you also have LeBron on your team. Here, here's what I'll ask you. If you put a highlight package of both players up against each other, like, Iverson, as much as we think of how flashy and amazing he was, like, Kyrie's highlights yeah. are, yeah. like, I don't know if there's anyone who has better skill highlights than Kyrie Irving. You're right. You're absolutely right. I think Kyrie, Kyrie, because Kyrie's our age. So Kyrie grew up in the and one mixtape era where we were the kind of guy, like our, our generation was watching, like, what's his name? Hot Sauce. Remember that guy? Hot Sauce and like the, the professor. professor and yeah. all these other guys. Just like they were just as entertaining to us as the guys on the court. In fact, like more entertaining because that was like during the, like, I was so fatigued by the NBA in the mid 2000s because the game was so slow and, the Lakers just kept winning all the time. And, like, it was either the Lakers or the Spurs every year. And so as, like, an East Coast basketball fan, all the East Coast teams were terrible. You're just like, ah, you know, this sucks. And then you'd throw on N1 mixtape and be, like, dudes in Rucker Park or whatever, like, doing these incredible tricks. And it was, like, a, it, it was such an inspiration. And I, I, I know for a fact that Kyrie was watching that shit. And he was inspired by it. And he's one of the only players who's been able to take – that kind of like beautiful basketball skill and combine it with an actual winning 
a basketball career. And so that in itself, yeah, is like amazing and beautiful. But I don't know. I have Alan, I have Allen Iverson at a very embarrassing eight on my fucking <laughs> list. He is eighth on my list. And I'm, I know that what? like we're talking about it now and mm-hmm. I, I probably would have put him a few numbers back. But yeah, when I made this yeah. list, he was he was eighth. All right. Let me just before we move on from this, let me just read you their career percentage splits. Allen Iverson, field goal percentage, 42 and a half, three point percentage, 31 and free throw percentage, 78. Kyrie Irving, field goal percentage is 47. So five points higher, essentially. Three point percentage is at 39 and uh, free throw percentage is at 88. So like, yeah. All the percentages are just significantly higher. Uh, it, obviously, it's a different era. There's more spacing. It's easier to make shots. It's a, it's a tough debate. Like I could see my on my list, and I'm if like if we really got down to it. But I guess the I question know. really is like, if Allen Iverson was in Kyrie Irving's draft class, would he have been the same player as he was in 1996, or would yeah. he have had? What if he? Would he have adapted successfully? Rick, what do you think? Kyrie, would he have been as good? No, would Allen Iverson been as good if he was thirty and not like in his like mid forties? And so he grew up at the same time as us and learned the type of basketball that Kyrie Irving learned. Because he clearly they had very two like distinctly different styles. And do you think that uh, Iverson would have been able to adapt to the way people play basketball now, Uh, more efficient and less flashy? I guess. Yeah, I, I do. I, I really tend to think that almost all NBA players would be able to adapt to whatever era. I don't know. I, I kind of, without getting into a huge discussion, I don't really like to say like, oh, this guy would have gotten, you know, been on the bench, you know, in this era, or he would have sucked in this era. Like Charles Oakley was like, yo, Giannis would have came off the bench in my era. You just get out of here. Stop <laughs> it. Like, you know, like yeah. Mike, Mike Gordon a lot of times is considered the greatest basketball player of all time we're not going to get a debate about that but like for five years of his career he shot under 20 percent from three like so so but i don't think anyone's going to be like you know uh do you think jordan would be able to shoot threes in today's game of course he would <laughs> of course he'd figure it out he wouldn't shoot 20 percent today <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so like yeah Iver- <laughs> iverson would have adapted he would have been he would have been awesome in any era so um, Giannis, if he, if he would have played in the nineties, he would have bullied the hell out of everyone then too. So yeah, he, he would have figured it out. I think it's a fun debate because I think they're so similar in a lot of ways. Um, I will say though, those percentages that Mike like brought up are alarming. Those are, they're, they're bad. They're not mediocre. They're bad. 42 and 31%. But I think maybe with in this era more spacing things like that yeah they probably maybe would have shot 38 percent or something so it it is fun um i don't know I, I don't have a big problem with your ranking of iverson at like eight i think it's a little high but i wouldn't say you're like crazy um but it's it's fun yeah he would have figured it out though get out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 he would have all right mike who's your next 19 all right number 19 i have Pau gasol Pau Gasol, uh, big part of winning those championships for the Lakers. Obviously, everyone talks about Kobe, but Pau Gasol was phenomenal in those years. Seven foot, like maybe seven one, uh, had had a jump shot, had a post hook, had everything. And uh, when I think of 
that era, like even when he was on the Grizzlies, he was great. Everyone knew he was great, but he was on the Grizzlies and they were like going nowhere. So Pau Gasol contributing to winning those couple seasons. I don't really have much else to say besides like he was just a big man who could do everything you wanted a 2000s big man to do. He wasn't in the the three-point shooting era of big men just yet. He kind of had to try that in the end of his career on, like, the Bulls and the Spurs. But uh, I I think he's one of the best that, like, skill-wise, could do and defense. Everything. He did everything. Paolo Gasol is 23 on my list. You know, he's probably – everyone was talking about how, like, what was it, Dwight Howard was uh, snubbed in the top 75? Hmm. Paolo Gasol, big – Top 75 snub guy. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if he was on that list. I mean, he's so high on my list, too. He's, yeah, he's high on your list. Rick, where, where is he on your list? You're, you're muted, Rick. <laughs> you're still muted. Oh, I'm, unmuted. I'm unmuted now. <laughs> I'm back, guys. Uh, no, he's 20 on my list. Um, but uh, Powell is just great. He's just a just a great great player. Like he was um, in one of those finals that they won. He was the best player. He was better than Kobe in that series. Um, so yeah, he was a great player. I think he's the type of guy too that could have played with anyone. I think anyone, um, you know, would have loved to have a guy like Paul Gasol on their team. Um, yeah, and I think he was probably considered for the top seventy-five. He probably got some votes from a lot of people. Um, so he was probably in that honorable mention range. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so good. I mean, great mid-range, great post-game um, teammate, hard worker. Yeah, I honestly, I think thinking about all these guys too, um, just uh, in like the grand scheme of like NBA history, he's probably one of the more underrated guys. He really, he's just, he was, he was always good. Even like as like, like, twilight of his career was mm-hmm. still putting up numbers he was on like the bulls or something wasn't he yeah 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 still still playing like playing good yeah so uh last thing before i move on i was a big lakers hater in those years because i was just sick of them and Paul Gasol was one of those guys who just made me so mad because of how good he was i was like this this guy every time he catches the ball he does something good uh but anyway my next two picks are gonna go fast uh actually no sorry i have one in between number 18 is mellow we talked about mellow I think we actually did we talk about Paul Pierce already? Yes. Okay. So I had Paul Pierce at seventeen and I have Westbrook at sixteen. So I guess my turn is over. Uh, no, you you sure you don't want to talk about like why you put maybe Paul Pierce up there that high? Because I remember I had him at like twenty eight. Yeah, uh I had him this high because uh he was like I obviously the Celtics put together a big three and that cheapens it a little bit, but like clutch, like clutch gene winning basketball, Paul Pierce put fear in your heart as a Nets fan, uh, as anyone who hated the Celtics. If Paul Pierce had the ball at the end, you just felt like it was going to go in. And yeah. uh, played good defense, too. I think people forget that he was a good defender. Uh, got to his spots, didn't, like, move too fast. He moved at his own pace. And uh have to respect it, even though I hated him. Hated right. Paul Pierce. So you guys' lists are very similar in the the pool of guys that you've picked, and I think that mine will differentiate because I added some guys who are in the league currently at, at pretty high levels. So like the the numbering's going to be off here, but I, I'm going to go at 15. And I got James Harden at 15. James Harden, as much as I wish I could kick him in the fucking mouth, 
he is an amazing <laughs> basketball player. His incredible ability to score is like, you know, he truly changed the game. Like, because he was so good at drawing fouls, they had to change the rules of the game. Him and, like, other guys like Trey Young, who is definitely just, like, watching, like, Harden and learned everything he, he knows about being a nuisance from him and, like, Chris Paul and a little bit of Curry. But, yeah, Harden changed the game. He's an incredible shooter. He elevates other people's careers. Like, he makes big men look big men look so much better than they probably are because he's able to get them, like, these wide-open layups and, and dunks and stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's had a couple rough, like, the last two years of his career have been very bizarre. And ever since the bubble as well, like, he's just looked very weird and, and not like himself the way that we knew him from, like, the mid-2010s as the front as the most important player on his Rockets team. He's in this new role now with Embiid and the Sixers where they're looking great. And like, he's elevating guys like Maxi to do really well too. So they might have a ton of success the rest of the season, and especially going into the playoffs. We'll see what happens with them. But in general, even if Harden never wins a championship um, again, he's a hall of famer and he's 15th on my list. I have him at 14, so I actually have him higher than you. And I've had this conversation with Rick before, how those years that LeBron lost to the Warriors when they had Kevin Durant, everyone just talked about LeBron got to the finals again. And they were like, it's okay, he lost in five or he got swept because the Warriors are so stacked. James Harden almost beat those Warriors teams. And James Harden gets no credit because he didn't do it in the finals. It was the second round of the playoffs or the conference finals. So everyone's like, yeah. James Harden, he's a loser. He couldn't even get out of the, the West. But, yeah. like, he gave the Warriors all they could handle. And it was, like, a Chris Paul injury or, uh, you know, a, a crazy comeback by the Warriors, whatever it was. He, like, almost did it with not a super team. Those Rockets teams were not super teams. They had Chris Paul, obviously a great player. But it wasn't like they had three superstars or, you know, I don't know. So James Harden, I hate the guy, obviously. But when you talk about the last 10 years, since he's essentially went to the Rockets, I don't know if there's many players that have been better than him. So, yeah. yeah. Deservingly on this top of this list. True. I got him uh, at 16, so I'm, like, right around where you guys are. Um, obviously, he's incredible. Like, we don't like him because of what, what recently happened. But, yeah, he's, he's an amazing player. I think the rank for James Harden would be a lot higher for all of us if he even just like went to a finals like I'm not really including the Oklahoma City year but if he just like went to a finals and even lost like he didn't really have to win I think if he just went like he'd probably be like almost five spots higher for a lot of us um, mm -hmm. just because he is that good um, the playoff shortcomings are real like there are times like you know, he did fall short against like the, the Warriors and but, you know, it was a great effort. But there are times like, you know, where he was like the reason they lost. So there are there are, you know. Uh, things to really look at James Harden career and be like, eh, yeah, well, maybe you're not as high because of those those games and those performances. But yeah, 14, 15, 16, I think is um, a, a good a good spot for him to be. Um, I think. Uh, his tenure with the Sixers, I think, is going to play a big role in how he's viewed just his legacy when he's done playing. Like, if he wins, 
I think a lot of those like quitting on teams are going to be forgotten. If he doesn't win, I think that's going to be something people really remember. But uh, Mike had something he wanted to add. Yeah, a big thing to his legacy was the series they lost to the Spurs. If you guys remember that, yeah, when yeah. The, the Spurs like had nobody except Monte Ginobili, maybe like they like and had a bunch of injuries. last year, I think. Yeah, and James Harden lost that series. Ginobili like blocked him on his like game winning attempt. That was a big hit because that Rockets team had no business losing to the Spurs. So it's not just like one or two failures. He's he's got a few. But moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the biggest problem with Harden is that, and this is going to be like, if he doesn't, he's, if he's, whether or not he wins with the Sixers, this will be the thing that people will always talk about with him. Because if, if he does win with the Sixers, it will kind of like be a perfect example of this. Is Harden should have been a two guy on all of the teams he played on with the Rockets, but he, you know, his ego maybe got in the way because he is so good at basketball. It's hard to tell a guy who's so good at basketball that like, look, you're going to win more if you're not the best player on your team. And you just facilitate to the best player on your team. But, you know, tried it with the Nets. And uh, there was moments, obviously, with Chris Paul. But we'll see what happens with Embiid. This might be the match that he's been finally, uh, you know, meant to have. All right. uh, 14. Let me just pull up my list again here. 14, I have Chris Paul, actually. (laughs) Chris Paul at 14. And I know that, like, He's had a renaissance. There was a couple of years where people were like, oh, Chris Paul's done, especially like right after the Clippers, uh, like that whole like Lob City thing kind of blew up. People were just waiting for Chris Paul to retire. They're like, oh, he's he's on what team now? Like, wait, he's on the Thunder? Like, oh, geez, what are they going to do? I think it was on the Thunder, that team with the Thunder that he got, he brought to the playoffs where people realized like, wait a minute, like Chris Paul, in- incredibly as he is, he still has this like, third career going and now he's on the Suns team that made the finals last year is the best team in the league uh he broke his finger recently so like they might start floundering but um yeah unbelievable player and he's had a full career just from beginning to end has had a lot of success and is a very divisive player when it comes to the way he treats other people on the court and stuff but i mean his game speaks for itself so 14 I have Chris Paul at 15. Oh, wow. For, okay. <laughs> yeah. You, you said all the things you like, yeah, that I agree with. Obviously, his longevity is incredible. Uh, the resurgence, all that. I hate Chris Paul. Like, back-to-back picks now. Harden and Chris Paul. I hate Chris Paul. <laughs> I hate how he plays. Obviously, he's great, and he makes everyone around him better. He turns scrub big men into, like, all-star caliber players, just like Harden does. But, man, I hate the way he plays. He He's the kind of guy... If you ever play with like on a blacktop, he's super aggressive, and then when you push him back, he flops to get the foul called on you, and I hate that so much. And yeah, I mean, he deserves to be this high on those lists. Like everyone knows how great he is. He also has a very bad history of getting hurt at the worst times. He has a bad can't win legacy. Also, now he was on those Harden teams that almost beat the Warriors. So everything I said about Harden for those kind of applies to Chris Paul as well, but. Uh, he's not ahead of any of the guys I have ahead of him simply because he hasn't won anything. Yeah, yeah uh, for me, I had him at 12. Um, I was kind of like a Chris Paul hater for a long time, for most of his career. And uh, that season he had with Oklahoma City Thunder really like completely changed how I felt about him. Um, you know, I think they had a like a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs and he like that season especially he was he was the point god 
like that year. And he he took a, a group of uh, guys that were really originally just kind of tank and took them to the playoffs. And that was uh, that was pretty incredible. And, um, you know, he's he's at least in terms of his leadership, he's I think he's one of the best leaders, at least on the floor in the NBA and on in the locker room. Um, you know, that's can be questionable. He's not particularly liked, but I think that's more because of his intensity and his desire. Um, but he's a great floor general. I think in terms of his two point game is his mid range. Um, he's one of the best I've ever seen. So yeah. there's there's that, too. Um, if you wanted to get into a debate, I don't know where you have other guys. I have um, him and two other point guards on my list all bunched together, and I think they could all be interchangeable. But yeah. uh, I put him at uh, 12, Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I have those other two guys right around this area, too, a little higher. But my 13th is actually Dwayne Wade. Uh, Dwayne Wade, phenomenal player, right out the gate, just like an electric drive to the hoop. Really great shooter in an era where, like, you know, we talked about, like, guys weren't that great at shooting. It didn't really matter. Um, and uh, won a championship at a really young age with, obviously, with, like, some help, like Alonzo Mourning and Shaq and stuff. But, like, was a really important part of that team. Um, but, yeah, just uh, – I'll wait. Let's see. Rick. Oh, yeah, okay. He came back. Uh, just talking, like, yeah, basically, Dwayne Wade, fantastic. One of the Heatles. The reason why the Heatles are were in Miami, I know that LeBron obviously was the best player on those teams, but like, I think it was Wade's consistency and his like proven like winning like uh, mindset uh, and confidence that like you know LeBron like had in him and Bosh had in him, and of course with like uh, you know uh, probably like what's his name the GM uh, O'Reilly was probably a huge part of that too, but. Ultimately, I think Wade was what brought them all together, and and they ended up winning two championships out of it. So, yeah, Dwayne Wade, three-time champion, probably could be higher, maybe even in the top ten, but he's, what, 13 on my list? Mm. I've got Wade at nine. And what you mentioned before with that first championship, he was the finals MVP on a team with Jack. Yeah. So, like, that's how amazing he was at such a young age. It was, like, his third or fourth year in the league. Uh, played both sides of the ball. Like constant highlight reel, played 100 miles per hour all the time. Probably got himself hurt more than he should have because of that. But uh, knew how to win, and he, a lot of people kind of say he like taught LeBron how to win. And maybe like LeBron's career didn't take off the same way if Wade didn't help him. So talent-wise, you know, it's all there and winning also. So I've got him at nine, and all the people I have behind him. I'm I'm happy with so longevity winning. Uh, he gets rewarded for that. Yeah, I had him. Uh, I had him at nine as well. Um, just for all the reasons that you said. Um, just a gamer, great player, um, winner, champion, all that stuff. I think he has the most or second most. I could to be. I could be wrong on this. The most or second most blocks amongst like shooting guards ever. I feel like that's a stat. Um, also, uh, not only was he the MVP of that finals with Shaq, if you look at the numbers, it's one of the best finals performances just in a series of all time. He was just otherworldly. Like, he was like 35 a game or something that series. And like five assists, five rebounds, something really ridiculous. Um, 
but yeah, he's he's always been good. Um, so nine, I think, is a good spot for Dwayne Wade. All right, and then um, my last two for my round, I have I actually just recently switched them because I was thinking more about like, okay, what's he been? I guess it's just like a what have you done for me lately with the one guy, and then the other guy has already proven his whole career is over. So I have twelve. I have Kawhi Leonard at twelve, and then I have Steve Nash at eleven. And I originally had Kawhi at 11, but then I was like, you know what? Kawhi's been having a weird time lately. And I know that his career, he's already won twice. He was the, the like incredible Toronto Raptors run, which is just like storybook. He goes to a team because he's like, you know, he kind of bitched his way out of the Spurs, but he already proved what he needed to prove there. And he won a championship there. So like, you know, no one really cared too much. And he's just an enigma of a person that it was kind of bizarre that that would even happen for a guy like him to like, kind of um you know one out of a of a winning franchise he goes to toronto of all teams they give up demar Derozan, who they had been going to the final or not, like the playoffs with so much and in one year wins a championship a lot of things went their way of course like katie got hurt and 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 clay got hurt <laughs> but you know these things happen every year people get hurt so that whole scenario alone, on top of the fact that he's just one of the, when he's at his best, Kawhi is like the scariest guy on the court. Like, you know, he's going to make every shot he takes. You know, he's going to play incredible defense. He's going to block you know, like the other team's best shooter with like a minute left. And it's going to completely change the game. I Very few times have I seen Kawhi choke. I, I, I really think Kawhi is amazing. But Steve Nash's career is complete. So he goes at 11. And I'll, I'll just let you guys talk about both of those guys because i think that there's so much to talk about with steve nash alone and his career um how how about you you start with uh Kawhi though mike why don't you talk about it a little bit with Kawhi? i've got Kawhi at 13 okay uh if you told me like a healthy Kawhi, like who do you want on your team in the last two minutes of a close game i don't know if there's anyone that i'd pick over Kawhi leonard honestly because he's gonna get it done on both sides of the ball and when the last time we saw him in a championship situation, he doesn't miss in big time, like those big moments either. Uh, steps up and guards whoever needs to be guarded, plays at his own pace, doesn't really play make as much as some other guys that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But at the same time, he doesn't really like need to. So he's a freak of nature. Uh, and I, I do like that he's like not outspoken. I, I do like that he's calm, cool, and collected. Although it does seem like behind the scenes, he is still kind of a diva, like you mentioned. Like there is some stuff going on, even though he's not vocal. Um, but I, I think this is a fair place for him. Yeah, he just hasn't done it enough. Like he's had maybe three great seasons that we can remember, but out of a possible like eight, maybe like there's been too many seasons he hasn't done it because of injury or whatever. There was that one, so when one of the what-if seasons against the Warriors was, like, they almost lost to the Spurs, but then yeah. Kawhi gets hurt. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of what-if with him, too. What if he stayed on the fucking Raptors? Like, what if he mm -hmm. never left that team? Would they go back to the finals the next year? Mm -hmm. Very odd for a guy to come to a team, win a championship, and then immediately leave. He also won that championship the one time LeBron got hurt. <laughs> and, like, yeah. no one had to beat LeBron that year. So it was kind of like – and then Durant got hurt. <laughs> so even though there are, there are some things with the Warriors championships, like they played – every team they played, someone got hurt. 
no one really talks about that anymore, but it happened, uh, including Kawhi Leonard. So Kawhi Leonard, magical season on Toronto, but he did have some good fortune. But obviously, he deserved the win against Embiid and the win against Giannis because he was responsible for those. But he didn't have to play against Kevin Durant, and he didn't have to play against LeBron James. So take that like you know, as you yeah, want. all that stuff true. I had Kawhi at eleven, you know, because the he has the couple championships is you know uh, top five defender, maybe even higher, like when he's healthy. Like Mike's right. Like I, I mean, other than LeBron, of course, I, in the final two minutes or five minutes <laughs> of the game or something, um, I don't really know how many players, if any, I want. Instead of Kawhi Leonard, like he he really is that good. Um, I think the biggest knock on him has always been like his health. Like he he doesn't really like choke or like have bad games that often, right? It's really just like oh he got hurt or like he didn't he didn't play this season or or something like that. So I mean, uh, you know, the, he did get fortunate with the Raptors championship, but I personally value guys that win championships with multiple franchises i think that's not easy to do and i think that's something that shows that you can play with you know multiple different kinds of players coaches organizations so i think that's a big deal um but yeah i mean Kawhi is Kawhi is awesome like mike said he he isn't really that much of a playmaker but i don't think that is like this glaring fault in his game i just think that's just not the type of player he is i think he's a mid-range killer in a in an era where mid-range is frowned upon but i mean he's extremely efficient um so 11 i'm i think i'm the highest amongst us but uh 11 for Kawhi, and and he's not done yet so no uh and then uh i had nash at 11 uh for me so nash and then like you guys will probably talk about kid next but like I had kid at ten, just above Nash. How many of you, did you guys both have them like next to each other, or was there a little bit of separation? Yeah, I've got Nash eleven, kid ten. Okay, so I guess we just both we can all talk about the two of them kind of in tandem. Why does okay? The question is why does kid go above Nash? I guess. Uh, Jason Kidd did more with less. Now, obviously, Nash was in the West, and the teams he lost to were dynasties, and that's what we talk about with McGrady. So like. As soon as I just said that, I'm like, ah, like who did Jason Kidd beat in the East to get to those finals? Did he beat dynasties? No. Did he beat good teams? Yes. And he didn't really have, he didn't have Amari Stoudemire. He didn't have Sean Marion. He didn't have this, you know, uh, revolutionary offense that was scoring 120 points a game. He just created everything and he turned a bad team into a finals team overnight. So Jason Kidd, for that reason, just elevates him a tiny bit higher than Nash. Nash won two MVPs uh, in years where it could have been Shaq. It might have been. It probably should have been Shaq. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think winning and elevation of team just gets Kid a little bit higher for me. Yeah, that's like this. The kid. Nash debate for me. This was the two hardest placings on the on the entire list for me. I really went back and forth about who I had higher. Um, I put uh, Nash at thirteen, Kid at fourteen. Um, but like, I mean, if I like 
flipped them. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have any problem with it. I, I think they're so um, close. Everything that Mike said is completely right. Like, um, I do think Kid did more with less. But like he said also, like, they didn't really beat great teams in the East when they went to those finals. Like, they beat, like, it was Paul Pearson, like, Antoine Walker for, like, the the Celtics. And um, it was, like, Baron Davis on the Hornets. Like, they had a tough series with those guys and stuff. It was I think this was back also when Ray Allen was on the Bucks. So, like, these weren't really, like, serious teams. And this was a, when the West was, like, every good team in the league was in the West. Um, but, I mean, the Nets still made it to those finals and they did it back to back years. Like, like, um, Mike said too, I think the Nets prior to Jason Kidd getting there were the worst team in the league or the second worst team in the league record wise. And then immediately went to the finals the next year. I think he finished, um, second in MVP voting that first year to Tim Duncan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's awesome. Nash has the two MVPs. Um, great shooter. I think he would have been even better in this era. He's even said it himself on um, that, you know, he wishes he took more threes. Um, but, but they're both both awesome. So flip-flop there. Um, you know, I think that's just preference. One big difference for me also, Steve Nash didn't play any defense. <laughs> and, Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd did. So yeah. if we're going to split hairs, because they both are amazing passers, obviously. Jason Kidd, sneaky good shooter towards the end of his career, is actually like towards the top of the list in career threes, partly because of longevity, but not a bad shooter. And if we're, yeah, they're so close for so many reasons that defense might be the deciding factor for me. Jason Kidd played defense. Steve Nash simply did not. Yeah. All right. So, Mike, you're up then with nine. Am I? No, Rick's up. No, Rick. Uh... Wait, it went Rick. Oh, yeah. Went Rick oh, yeah, and then me right. and then you. Sorry. Go ahead, Rick. I'm at nine. Okay. Um, I could give you my number nine guy. Do you want to give me the number 10 guy who we haven't talked about yet? Or no? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's right. You didn't have him at 10, Jason Kidd. So, yeah. Tell us your 10. Okay. My 10, I put Giannis. Okay. Um, and I could see um any of you guys maybe having him as high as like seven um or as far back as like you know 14 or whatever but um i think we're all gonna have him relatively the same but uh Giannis at 10 and um i mean we all know his resume right the mvps defensive player of the year he has the championship now um it's just the only thing that really keeps him at this point in the list is just he only's played half his career. <laughs> he just has a lot more to go. Um, he's incredible. Um, something that I think was a knock on him um, earlier on in his career is his shooting. And this is even, even last year and in the playoffs, it seems like he's really worked on that shooting a lot. And like, he's, you know, he, he's not a great three point shooter, but like, now, when you see him at the three-point line, you're like, I should probably go and, you know, get a hand up in his face. He, It is a threat. You do have to, like, go out and guard him now. Um, the free throw shooting also isn't great, but it's a lot better. I think in that game six of the finals, he was 17 and 19. Yeah. Um, 
biggest game of his life. I think it's improved. I don't know the numbers for his percentages this year, but I do feel like they're better. And so um, one thing, too, that, you know, I think comes up a lot in, like, guys' legacy and player debates, and which what we're doing now is, like, you know, heart, determination, will to win, things like that. There is no question that this guy, like, loves basketball, wants to win, will do whatever it takes to work hard, improve. Um, you know, like, you know, we're going to, I'm going to bash our own guy here with Ben Simmons. Like, Ben Simmons can't shoot threes and has, like, refused to work on that part of his game. Giannis could not shoot threes and he's worked on it and he can now shoot threes. Like, so he's, He's phenomenal offense, defense, like everything, and he's going to he's going to be higher. On yeah, this, this that's soon. my yeah, like. So I have him at nine, and my question is just like, does he end in the top five eventually of this well, list? I was thinking that too. So looking at my list, I don't, I don't think he's going to crack my top. I think he'll finish. At seven, okay. Where, where, where? I, like when it's all said and done, I think he will be seven on mine. Mike, where is he on yours? I have Giannis at twelve, and I say this with complete sincerity, not just to be uh, inflammatory. I think he has the potential to finish like behind LeBron. Really? On this list, I think Gian- Giannis has accomplished more at this age than like anyone. We talk about more than LeBron, more than Jordan. Mm-hmm. Those guys took till they were like 28 to win anything. And then they went on a crazy run and put together a lot uh, and longevity for LeBron, obviously. Giannis already has two MVPs, a defensive player of the year, a finals, a finals MVP. And there's no reason this Bucks team can't add to that. Mm-hmm. So if Giannis is able to sustain and go back to back, possibly whatever three p whatever like the mm-hmm. potential is there if he does it that's one thing but like he could there's nothing in my yeah. mind that says he can't do all of these crazy things and co- completely catapult himself into top whatever debate like he's yeah. that good and it doesn't like have the same visual effect because you don't see him hitting the, the jump shots the fadeaways all the crazy stuff that Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron do. But, like, if he wins with his style of play, shooting over 50%, getting 11 rebounds, getting blocks, like, this man does everything on both sides of the floor. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like, there, there is nothing, like, outlandish at all about what you said. Like, he could absolutely, like, finish, like, right behind, like, LeBron. Like, he, he I think he's... 28 i think he's 27 20 even better 27 and like could very well win the title this year um so yeah he's incredibly accomplished um i i i think he's more accomplished at this point of his career than lebron was um so like yeah the sky is the limit for him so just for fun um my question to you guys is um for what his legacy will be when his career is all said and done. Let's say he wins three titles. Okay. He wins two more. He has three total titles. He has the two MVPs. Does he have one defense player of the year? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I think he has one, yeah. All right, one defensive player of the year, two MVPs, and three titles. And the, the numbers continue on a trajectory that they've that they've been on. Is he better than is he better than Kobe if he has three titles? With more MVPs and defensive player of the year and not playing in a major market with guys like Shaq. If he continues to shoot the way he does now, even into his late third or whatever, he's he plays until he's thirty seven or something. I mean, continues to shoot because I think a lot of people will will hold the early parts of his career against him, how he was a, such a liability, even up until the series they play against the Raptors in 2019, where it looked like all the momentum was in the Bucks' hands, and this was going to be his breakout year where he'd make the finals and play against the Warriors. They would get go up 2-0 in the series, and the Raptors just realized, wait a minute, like this dude doesn't know how to shoot a basketball. He, he can drive, and that's it. And yes, he he completely changed from that point on, and he's been absolutely amazing ever since. But has does that weigh against him? Just that whatever five year run where he's not that great. He's only like a dunker. I don't so, know. I don't think he makes it past Kobe. I do. People forget how bad the Lakers were in years that Kobe didn't have Shaq or Pau Gasol. Like they were really, really bad. <laughs> they like didn't make the playoffs. And Obviously, Giannis has some help right now. He, he's got Chris Middleton. He's got Drew Holiday. But what I'm kind of saying here is with, with what Josh said, holding some things against him. Obviously, losing to the Bucks, not the Bucks, losing to the Bull. No, why can't I? The Heat. The Heat. When he lost to the Heat, that was a bad look. That was a bad one uh, in the bubble. And like you said, choking against that Raptors team. Like He's got a couple bad looks. LeBron's got a couple bad looks. Jordan's got it. Everyone gets some bad seasons. Harden, everyone that we're going to talk about, probably. But if Giannis does all the things you said, Rick, and it, he does it in ways that stick in our mind, like scoring 50 points in a game six of an NBA Finals to win, like his first one, like if he does it in those kinds of fashions, then I would say, yes, he could finish past Kobe. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying he will or won't, but like I think if if he continues with this level of success for a couple of more years, wins like two more championships, like it's a, I think it's a legit conversation. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see where it goes. Cause he's, he is incredible. And I think we all just kind of genuinely love the guy. Like he's such a yes. nice and mm-hmm. like positive story in the NBA, his story of like his life and how he like came up and, you know, found the game of basketball as an, as a Nigerian immigrant in, in Greece or growing up in Greece, it's just so incredible how he's where he is today and the incredible impact he's had on the league and just like everyone who loves basketball. So like he's nine, but in my heart, he's like, he's like two because of how important he is to the game right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, go ahead, um, Rick. All right. Um, not going to get too much into it, but uh, nine for me was uh, Dwayne Wade. Um, we already got into it. I don't know if anyone else has anything they really want to add, but no, no, no. Okay, cool. Dwayne Wade, nine. Um, number ten, KG. Number, number eight. Oh. Oh, eight. Yeah, eight. Uh, yeah, eight. KG. Kevin Garnett. Um, great offensive player. Great defensive player. Um, just legendary uh, trash talker. Um, Mike. 
have had an even better career and more playoff success um, had he started his career in this pl- uh, player empowerment era. Um, I think he was loyal to a fault with uh, the Timberwolves, and uh, the Timberwolves sucked, <laughs> and uh, and he was just kind of doing whatever he could with those teams, and uh, especially in the West, um, you know, when your second best player is either Stephon Marbury or Latrell Sprewell, uh, you're just you're not going to win that much. And he went to the the Celtics, had some good players around him, and he won. And, um, you know, his numbers are awesome. I think he has an MVP to his name, um, you know, to all-star selections and, and, and whatnot. So Kevin, Kevin Garnett, number eight for me. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually have him much lower than you. Um, I had Garnett at 19. And, I, oh. and I, I guess it's just because I did the math of like, okay, all these other guys I like more. I did that. When I got to Garnett, I was like, yeah, this guy's like, he's a very important player, but is he better than James Harden? No. I, I got Melo at 18, McGrady at 17, Ray Allen at 16. I actually have Allen ahead of him. So I don't know. I I, I couldn't find a way to put him up in front of 18 other guys. He's Mike, great. Support me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> support me. Oh, uh, I have Kevin Garnett at number eight. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'm very comfortable with who is behind and in front of him. Uh, Kevin Garnett, kind of like, to me, if, when I think of 2000s basketball, like, he embodies it. The, the toughness, the, the swagger, um, the clutch, the, the multidimensional, the mid-range shot with the post-up, with the athleticism. Like, Kevin Garnett was any power forward stream, like, of all the things he could do. On both sides of the court and what you said about power uh player empowerment rick he kind of like by him going to the celtics i know i think it was a trade it wasn't free agency but that kind of set in motion the rest of this era's player empowerment because mm-hmm. in order to beat the celtics lebron had to go to the heat and then in order to beat uh i, I guess the spurs are kind of the exception of the mavericks but it kind of just led to everyone deciding to team up because that Celtics big three plus Rondo was just so good. Um, but I think Garnett was the piece that made it work. Like they won their first season and we've seen super teams not win their first season. I think it worked because of Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, isolation scorer, Ray Allen, spot up shooter. They don't fit together if they don't have Kevin Garnett, in my opinion. Ray Allen becomes a spot-up shooter. If you remember, he was amazing in his first, like, his years in the Bucks. I feel like he is neck and neck with a guy like Iverson. And then, and then he, like, yeah, he just, like, completely changes his role. But you're right. Like, Garnett probably should be higher on my list. I don't know. I guess a little bit of, like, forgot about him, like, bias because he hasn't played in a while. But, yeah, he was really good. All right. Go ahead, Rick. All right, uh, the next player on my list, I think uh, him and Garnett are probably going to be pretty close on a lot of people's lists uh, when we talk about the greatest players of all time. Both power forwards, but other than that, very different players. Number seven, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, Not the defensive player that Garnett was, but uh, incredible on the offensive end of the floor. The uh, the one knee up fadeaway is a legendary shot. Um, 
great three-point shooter. Um, probably the best European player of all time. Um, I think that 2011 championship with the Mavericks um, is huge because he was um, not only the best player on that team, but his supporting cast was good, but not like great. You know, I think he, he was guys like uh, an old Green, Jason Kidd, yeah. Sean Marion, like Tyson Chandler, Jason so, Terry, Jason Terry. Yeah, like all good players, but not like. You know, like a juggernaut. I don't think anyone would consider them. Um, but like Dirk was always good. Um, I think he's a guy late in the game, like for his era. Uh, not many people you would uh, rather have the ball in their hands for a final shot. Um, great teammate. So I put him at number seven. Okay. What about you, uh, Mike? What did you? Have? I've got Dirk Nowitzki. Also at number seven. And I so do I. Rightfully ahead of Garnett by one spot. And I'm not going to add too much to what Rick said because everyone knows how great Dirk Nowitzki was. The thing I will say is that championship that they won in 2011, I think is like the greatest championship of our era. That playoff run that they made, I've got this list in front of me. They beat in the first round. They... Beat the Trailblazers, who I think was uh, Damian Lillard, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blazers. Let me just double-check that real quick. LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Batum, uh, Brandon Roy. Yeah, it wasn't – I guess it wasn't Lillard yet. But still a good team in the first round. So they beat them. Second round, they beat uh, – they swept the Lakers, who I think were the defending champions. I'm not positive about that, but I think they might have been the defending champions and they swept them. And then after that, they beat the James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant Thunder in five games. And then they beat the big three of the Miami, the Miami Heat in six games. That to me, that playoff run by Dirk Nowitzki on a non-super team. And like you said, Rick, with all those guys they had, like incredible, legendary stuff. And I was a Dirk Nowitzki hater. Because up to that point, he hadn't gotten it done. He was a, uh, a player that lost as a one seed to an eight seed. Like, he just lost a lot of playoff series that the Mavericks probably should have won. But that playoff run won me over. And he, I think he, we all have him essentially in the same spot, right? We all have him at seven. We do. I think that's yeah. the, one of the very few times that all three of us have, been, like, have a player in the same exact spot. Yeah. All right. Rick, number all right. six. Number six, this is the last player for my turn. And I think uh, this is, this top six is, I'm a, I'm guessing it might be the all the same for us. If not, maybe there's one player difference. Not necessarily the order, but I'm just talking about the players. And rather getting into, like, all, like, the accolades and accomplishments or whatnot, because all these guys are obviously amazing and we, we know what they've done. But I'm just going to explain why he's six and maybe not higher. Um, number six for me is Kevin Durant. Um, obviously he's incredible. Um, but I think just my biggest knock is that he doesn't have any championships with the Warriors. That's really, that's really without my thing. Without the Warriors. What? Without the Warriors, you mean? Yeah, without the Warriors. Yeah, without the Warriors. Um, uh, he was great in those finals. You know, I think he was the best player in both of them. 
Um, and he probably would have won a third if he hadn't got hurt and, uh, against the, the Raptors. So he'd be a three-time champion. Um, but the reason he was on the Warriors in the first place was because of a, an anomaly with the cap. And it was, wasn't something that really was even supposed to happen. Um, he is, I mean, it was a roster loaded with Hall of Famers. Um, again, he was great. He's always been great. But I, I just think um, championships with a not on the Warriors are why I have him at six. I've got Durant at five. That's I have him at close. four. Well, yeah, I guess we all have him in the same range. Yeah. Uh, I, I like what you said, Rick. We don't really have to go too much into all the accolades of these guys because everyone knows what they are. So, yeah, like coming up with why we put them where we put them is probably a good idea. Uh, the reason I have Durant ahead of my number six, Shaq, is simply because Shaq, I feel like, spent this era mostly not in his prime. Like, if you take 2000 to 2003 Shaq, like, sure. But we grew up for the last 20 years of Shaq on the decline, and he had a really bad fall off after that Miami Heat championship. So, like, my freshest memories of Shaq are not great. He's obviously still in my top six. But I think I have some recency bias here. I think just the guys I have ahead of him uh, didn't have quite the same fall off. Shaq, to me, is arguably the most dominant player of all time. So, like, for all, like, all I know, I could put him number one here if I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But we're just not including any of the stuff he did on the Magic and then... Like, the Lakers is, like, it's just so, for me, it's just on the edge of the era we're talking about that we could have just said, you know, leave Shaq off this list. He's yeah. Like kind of borderline. So I just got him at six, but he probably should be higher. I have him at five, Shaq, and I had um, I had Durant at four. And I guess I'm just going to talk about my guy at six. I had Steph Curry at six. And the reason why I had Curry at six behind Shaq and behind Durant is because, well, Shaq, is uh is one more probably could be but like you know debatably higher as you said Mike and also Durant played with Curry and was the better best player on that team now obviously Curry's role changed because Durant was on the team but when you're on the same team as someone and you're the better player and you win two back-to-back finals MVPs playing with that guy you you should be higher on the list than that guy on top of the fact that like Durant's just incredible, of course. So that's why I had Durant at four over Curry. Curry has changed the game, and like Durant's more of an anomaly. Obviously, like Curry, Curry's an anomaly right now. But I don't. I think there's going to be another Curry. Like there's going to be another guy who can just like shoot lights out. I don't know who comes into the league and plays as well as Durant the way that Durant plays. So I I, I gave Durant the the edge for that. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, he was the better player on the same team uh yeah i don't have any argument against that i think i just have curry ahead of durant uh because of the success the warriors had against the thunder and obviously there's more to it than just one player against one player mm-hmm. but uh curry first unanimous mvp of all time also yeah uh, true obviously got the three-point record he's the best three-point shooter we've ever seen and yeah i mean if you ask me like who would i rather have on my team in their prime i might say Durant so maybe I'm uh questioning my own list again here that's a tough one yeah I think um the the Curry Durant debate is uh an interesting one and again that's another one that you can go either way with um 
See, I put Durant at six. I have Curry at five. Um, and you really could flip-flop them. I think the reason I have Curry the one spot ahead is, like Mike said, um, because of the Warriors' success against the Thunder. I, Mike, you would know this better than I would. I, but, like, the year, well, I think it was 2016, was it? Like, was it um, the Thunder had a 3-1 lead? Was that the same year as the Clay game in Game 6? It was, yeah, because the Thunder blew a 3-1 lead, and then the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead, like, back-to-back. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, I don't know, that, that kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth, you know, in the case for Durant. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're both incredible, and you could flip-flop them either way, but I just think uh, Curry, a tinge, although if, like, Durant wins a, a title with the Nets, uh, that completely changes for me. I, I'm And Durant, definitely above Curry, if that happens, but hasn't yet, so... That's why the ranking for me is the way it is. Hi, Mike. Your uh, your top three. All right, my top three, and because we haven't said these names yet, I feel like we're gonna all agree on this, unless someone decides to put my three ahead of my two. I've got Duncan at three. Yep, me too. And then I've got Kobe at two and LeBron at one. LeBron James, of course, so, he's gotta be number one. Is anyone different than that, Rick? Do you have that different? Yes, I'm, uh, you know, growing up, I would have never uh, thought this, um, but I think I've just matured as a, in, in my basketball uh, opinions as I've gotten older. I have Duncan ahead of Kobe. Um, Whoa. I have Duncan ahead of Kobe. I think um, he's just one more, I think, um, over longer periods of time. Well, he's won a championship in three separate decades, so he's been good. Early career, middle of career, end of career. Um, I believe he has more MVPs. Um, I think he has, uh, you know, their accolades are comparable otherwise. Um, But I think he's just, he's one more. Um, I believe, I could be wrong, I believe on this. If if Ray Allen's shot doesn't go in, the three-pointer from the corner, I think Tim Duncan's six for six in the finals. Uh, yeah, that would be true. But although, I mean, obviously there's hypotheticals. A lot of people think that they, they went on such a crazy run the second year because just, they were so mad and they like, (laughs) they all just were all on the same page of running it back. So maybe it would have felt different if they didn't, if they actually won the first one, Mm -hmm. you never know. You can't just say they'd automatically win the second one, but yes, for what you're saying. Uh, yeah. And, um, I, I think, and I don't think this is debatable. I just think Tim Duncan's a way better teammate. I think Tim well, yeah. <laughs> could could play with anyone, superstar, scrub, whatever. I think he could have played for any coach, any organization, no doubt. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people like glorify Kobe's like intensity and trash talk. And, and there's good reason for it. But there's also sometimes, too, where like, you know, maybe that's just not a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times. Uh, like I believe it was their championship against the Celtics game seven. Kobe almost shot him out of the game. <laughs> so, uh, and he, he got, he really got bailed out there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they won the title, but you know, if people want to put Kobe ahead of Duncan, totally fine. You have every argument and reason for it. And I, I wouldn't like say you're wrong. Um, but I just, I don't know. I've always appreciated the, uh, consistency, um, and like the 
just the teammate compatibility of Duncan. Um, I don't know. I've always admired that stuff. So, yeah, I, oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. This is splitting hairs, kind of like we did with Kid and Nash. Tim Duncan and Kobe both play defense, so we can't talk about like that part of it. So my only thing here is end of the game. You're down by one. Like, who's getting the ball? Would you rather give it to Duncan or would you rather give it to Kobe? Duncan has been blessed. Obviously, if he posts up, like, he's he could hit that shot. But I feel like typically, from what I can remember, like, did he have to do it? Or did he have Ginobili? Or did he have Tony Parker? Where Kobe was like, it was all on Kobe. Obviously, when he had Shaq, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm just... Bullshit. No, no. I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And Kobe's probably the more like versatile scorer um and i think a lot of times when people think oh who do you like game on the line or like fate of the universe you know is in one guy's hands who do you want a lot of people pick pick kobe um and they they've done research on this they run the numbers and kobe's like really not any better than like average in those situations (laughs) um you know he's not bad but he's just like he's you know just as good as you know anybody really like so he's not like great i think he just has done it in more maybe iconic moments mm-hmm. sometimes but um but also like you can go uh and look at highlight reels of tim duncan tim duncan's got some pretty iconic you know buzzer beaters he's got the one like he's falling away in the playoffs and he gets fouled and stuff so like timmy mm-hmm. timmy's good so um i don't know uh i also i think too maybe maybe i would trust kobe to make the shot more i don't i don't know about that but i do think i would trust tim to make the right play more okay okay so one last question to go uh we finished our list I'm, i hope you guys stuck around to hear all this my last question is to talk about the current guys since the whole theme of the list was post mj we talk about like oh the game changed after MJ like everyone's different than they were in the, like the early '80s and the '90s. Is there going to be a post someone on this list? Like, will there be a post LeBron or a post Curry or a post Durant? Like, who is going to be the guy that when they leave the the game kind of shifts yet again? Who do you if you had to pick someone? Um. Well. I become LeBron by default, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question by picking this person exactly, but we talked about before, like, carrying the torch for the next however many years. It could be Giannis. I don't know if Giannis has been playing long enough with LeBron. Is he really post-LeBron? I don't know. Uh, But... Could it be Luka? Could it be Jokic? Oh, oh my God, Luka, yes. (laughs) Where did we put Luka on this list? Did we talk about Luka Doncic? So... On my list, because I know you guys were like trying to stray away from the guys who were like only a couple years into their 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 career. Despite the fact that he's in his fourth NBA season, Luka Doncic is twenty first on my list. Okay, yeah, I don't have him on my list because he hasn't played yeah, long I, enough. Yeah, I, I just didn't think he played enough, so I didn't yeah. put him on. And I yeah. put Jokic at twenty. I probably, mm-hmm. you know, you could you could okay. argue that both of those guys are going to be like Jokic could win MVP again this year, and Doncic definitely has MVPs in the future coming his way um his numbers are insane so yeah those two guys i don't know about Jokic as much because obviously Jokic is like uh but Jokic is changing the game in a lot of ways he's he's showing how a center 
um, is could be the the focal point of your team and not mm-hmm. just scoring, obviously, like and also in assists and and in and like um, these wacky, crazy plays he makes. So mm-hmm. I think it's one of those two guys, or possibly Giannis, of course. Or uh, I know he's probably not on the list because he has, hasn't played long enough. But Ja Morant. That's the guy I was going to yeah. bring up. If, if, uh, it's a big if, but if he stays healthy, uh, his play style does not make me feel confident in that. But if he stays healthy, Ja Morant is yeah. like blowing people's minds. Every game he does something that we've never seen before. <laughs> like, so, it's crazy. We definitely got to have that, like, is Ja Morant the new Derrick Rose talk that they've been having on ESPN so much lately? Because it seems like this is actually, like, continuing to be a, a, a debate. Like, I don't know. But we'll, we'll do that another day. We went long enough. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Best Is Net to Come. We did our top 50 uh, post-MJ guys and uh, hope to live long enough to do a top 50 of uh, post uh, whoever, post Giannis guys or post uh, Post Hawaii Luka guys. guys. Post Luka guys. Post Luka. So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week talking about the Nets. Have a great rest of your week or whatever. I don't know. Western <laughs> Have a good life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>